Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Game Store Profits, brought to you by Inroads Ministries. This is episode 70. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. That was a very slow entry into the show, my friend. Is somebody distracted by internet coolness? No, I'm not distracted by internet coolness. I'm distracted by the sheer amount of stuff that I have to do lately. Uh, I am well. There's uh, there is the busyness. Being being not only a guy who has a day job, not only a, a guy who has a lovely wife who occasionally wants to be seen. I also have the fun times of apparently being the driving force of inroads right now, and so it's taking me a lot of time to do the promotional stuff, which we hadn't really done in previous uh, excursions into the world of internet stardom. Uh, we pretty much kind of just did GSP and you let know, it ride. Man, you, you know what they say, uh, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah, because I've had to do, I've spent way more time on designing promo materials and talking to printers and going to my P.O. box than I have in a while. But then the cool thing is that I now have a box full of awesome stuff, including postcards and stickers, and I have a four-foot banner to put in front of a table with our logo emblazoned on it. So that's cool. So yeah, that I, awesome. the, the reason I have all Make that... pictures, put them on I, the internet. I certainly will do that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 see, I don't think uh, there is any worry that you, of all people, will not put things on the internet. Look, 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 I post things like a champ, okay? <laughs> or an addict. A little of both. The the reason yeah. I have all this stuff is because of the fact that tomorrow morning, in fact, less than 12 hours from now, I will be at a local church uh, because our denomination is having a conference of, I, I want to say it's, it's youth and young adult leaders and volunteers. They will be coming from all over the Northeast to come to, to kind of congregate in this one little church and to talk about ministry and doing kind of an intergenerational ministry and and reaching out to people in this day and age. And I, I will have a table and I will sit behind that aforementioned banner with our logo on it to talk to them about how getting games in churches is a good thing and <laughs> will be a very positive uh, part of their ministry. So that's what I'll be doing yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> Because, you know, I actually think that it's the one of the best intergenerational tools there is. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you think about it. There's not too many things that a grandparent, a parent, and a kid can all do together and be into. And Yeah, and not have one of them or more of them be in that mode of, I'm doing this because I love them. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, maybe sports. There are some families who I think, yeah, there's multiple generations of sport love or love for a particular team. And and then, of course, there's always the quirky families that they have their thing. But in terms of a general practice, there really aren't too many things. And board games are great. I mean, and and, you know, I have sat down with people that are 60 and 70 and 80 years old playing hobby board games. And I play hobby board games with my kids who are, my youngest is eight. Uh, so that's awesome. So I think uh, hopefully people will hear you and uh, be able to uh, do some outreach because of it. Yeah, this is definitely something that is is near and dear to our hearts. And it'll be, it'll be fun, too, because it, it will bring in a lot of my skills of schmoozing. 
because I'm, I'm going to be doing stuff like uh, one of the things that I put out a while ago is that we we, we did a test run of stickers. Uh, most people don't have these. If 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 I don't if I didn't directly hand it to you or your name isn't Amy Irvin and you designed one of our stickers, um, then there were a lot of people who were just wanting to see them. Well, I now have two different stickers, one that just has the Game Store Profits logo on it and one that has the, the Tavern logo on it and it says, I'm a regular. And uh, Nice! I will, be, I will be giving these away tomorrow for the low, low cost of... Uh, liking our Facebook page and join and uh, following us on Twitter, so I will be schmoozing like a champ. Awesome, awesome. but it it will also be it'll also be fun too because by the time this is this airs, we will have seen. Well, this is this will have been posted for a while because I'm literally going to finish posting it after we're done here. But uh, speaking about intergenerational. A uh, friend of the podcast, one of our earliest, if not, I can't remember if he was our first, no, he, I think he was like the second interview, uh, T. Morris recently wrote to us and said, hey guys, I want to do a, a post about a game that I like. Can I do that? And we're, we are huge fans of T and are huge fans of what he does, so we said naturally. And so he wrote a review about playing Dixit, and he did it. As a guy, one who has some bad experiences with card games in general, he shares the fact that he played one game of Munchkin where he died in the first turn, and so that's always fun. And I think we've all been on the wow. receiving. Yeah, that takes some skills, right? But it can happen, especially because he was playing with the Munchkin Cthulhu. So there's all sorts oh, of I've never ins- done that one. Yeah, all I'm sorts sure of insanity and plenty involved. of ways to be devoured. Right, and so he died on the first turn in that, and so he got kind of got, I like turned off on all things card games. Uh, well, so I'm gonna tell you, like the concept of playing Dixit with a writer with, like with that, with an author, yeah, <laughs> that would be kind of cool. <laughs> so Though it might be cheating a little bit, like it's like playing Pictionary with a like an artist, you know. Yeah, eh, but I have a funny feeling. I have a funny feeling cool that experience. silliness would abound. He'd make it fun. Yeah, Sil- silliness would abound. I've had conversations where with T for uh, like ten minutes in a hotel hallway that solely involved. Let me look at that cane. It looks amazing. So, it, <laughs> when you compare canes with a man in a hotel hallway, you you basically understand that this person doesn't take himself entirely too seriously. Yeah. But, That's very uh, cool. So good news for inroads. Good stuff happening. Uh, I know there's even more, and we'll, we'll probably get to that uh, later on in the show. Um, we've got some events coming up. Yes. But um, how about games? I you playing anything? Recently, I haven't. I've been doing so much work that I've neglected to get in the playtime. Uh, however, I I can say that between uh, the last time we put put together the podcast and this time, I can say that uh, I've played in my Dungeons and Dragons game, where my now infamous, awesome. I guess, because I wrote an I wrote an article about him after all, uh, which still remains one of our most popular articles. Uh, the one about my my guy Thomas Mycroft, my evil character. The groundwork has been laid between my, my DM and myself for his uh, ultimate de- 
demise, his downfall, when he becomes the big bad and the, the group squashes him dead. I have also played City of Remnant, which I have been fighting hard to play City of Remnant lately because, as you guys who've listened to this show might know, it wasn't that long ago that I declared that it was my favorite game of 2013, and I think I've played yep. it. I think I've played it four times. So the fact that I got it to the table with our game group made me downright giddy. I lost horribly as my brother marched his gang and just destroyed everything that was me, but I still had a ton of fun. So when you get absolutely... I think the Foot Brothers are four. Well, I knew I was in trouble when he had the gang whose sole purpose in life is to punch people in the face. And... Basically, he was right next door to me. I had a funny feeling that it was going to go down that way. Yeah, you know, I but I I, I kind of joked, but there is something serious about playing a board game with your adult sibling. Oh yeah, because that, there's nothing you're never going to get another board game opponent like your adult sibling because you, Need- you have all of those years of. Not only just, like, regular sibling stuff, but you've probably played, like, 10,000 games of Life and Yahtzee and, you know, Monopoly together. And, in your case, uh, Hero Quest and... Yeah. Uh, Hero Quest? Hero Escape? No, Hero Quest. Which one's which? Hero Escape. Yeah. Uh, it's very confusing. Too many words. It's similar. <laughs> Too many heroes. Uh, uh, and so, you know, you have all of those things where it's like, okay, can I attack... Uh, Jane Doe over there, or my brother. <laughs> yeah, you know you're always going to be on the uh, you're always going to be on the short end of the stick. I think when you play with your sibling. Well, I will say that if nothing else, I had a fun time doing it because even though I, I lost horribly, it, it was fun because I noticed that even stomped on as I was, I was still able to claw my way back into second place. Granted, it was a three-player game, but I was still able. <laughs> <laughs> to claw my, but I also discovered that you know when when games are put out there, they have a this is how many people can play the game, and right. and City of Remnants, for instance, says that it's played between two and four. I'm gonna tell you right now that I think at its best it is a four player game because we played with three, and what basically happened is part of the reason why my brother could march into my base without any repercussions is the fact that there was a large amount of real estate between him and the other guy. So there was a, a huge amount of area that he, he didn't have to worry about defending his, his uh, flanks. He basically could charge all out and kill me without having to worry about it. If there was, if there was another person, if there was four of us and we all had had our side of the board, he would have to fight a war on two fronts and that would be significantly harder. So it, anytime that I'm playing a game and I'm learning something about it and I'm still having fun and I'm able to joke, uh, it's a good time. I also can say now that I think about it, um, it was kind of fun because as we were playing City of Remnant, there, the, oddly enough, it was split between. Uh, between the guys and the girls, uh, the ladies were playing Forbidden Desert, which is a game that I just picked up, hmm. the sequel nice. to Forbidden Island. And it was really fun because at some point I'm going to be 
definitely reporting on this when it actually happens. At some point, my wife is going to teach me a game because I've never played Forbidden Desert. So she's going to have to teach me a game instead of the other way around. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. Interesting. So what about you, Luke? What have you been playing? Well, I have played some uh, board games since the last time we uh, we recorded, but before I get to the board games, I do have another kind of game-related thing that I did today, in fact, and I thought I'd throw it out there for you. Uh, okay. I re-subscribed to WoW. No, you, no, you didn't. Are we going to have to have an intervention? Are we going to have to rally the, the, the listeners no, to pray over you? No, I don't think you? so. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone. Yes, we both uh, have. So obviously, I'm in. I'm in the world of Azeroth. I, I'm. I'm there, kind of connecting with these characters and kind of missing some of the characters and stuff like that. Um, but also, what really got me uh, kind of thinking about it uh, was a game that's coming out in about a month called Elder Scrolls Online. Ah, now. I would imagine that anybody who's ever heard us on this show knows our feelings toward Bethesda and the Elder Scrolls. I believe we, we kind of like them like just yeah, we kind of did like three different episodes devoted uh, almost least, entirely to Skyrim. Yes. One that was entirely uh, devoted to Skyrim. So you know, I'm kind of I've been looking at that game, watching it, deciding what do I want to do. You know, is this the sequel to Elder Scrolls? Is this, you know, the next one, and and then I, I have to buy the game, and if I'm going to play it, then I... And I thought, well, you know, I kind of looked at some of the videos that are out, and some of the uh, kind of, um, you know, first, uh, first uh, impressions, things that are... I guess the embargo is down now, so people can start writing about it. Um, and it, to me... The game itself looks like a step back. It, it actually looks to me like Oblivion, uh, which was cool. It was a great game. But after you played Skyrim, why would you want to go back to Oblivion? And the MMO-ness, to me, doesn't even really seem to be there. It, it pretty much just seems like a bunch of people doing single-player stuff all in the same place. Which we, we can um, just go back to playing Sweater at that point. Right, and, uh, you know, so, but I, but that kind of got that feeling going, like, man, I haven't played in a long time. I haven't played in two uh, expansions, and there's actually a new expansion coming here at the end of the year, probably, uh, for World of Warcraft, and so I decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna roll a tune, see what I think, uh, give it a month, and I may or may not play. Uh, you know, I, I've played uh, off and on for a long time. I wasn't there at launch, but I was there about a year after launch. Uh, I have had at least two longish year-plus runs playing the game. Uh, and then maybe a couple of shorter little, uh, little bits in there playing the game. Um, and I'll tell you, both times I left the game for the same reason. It got to a point where there was nothing to do but raid... And raiding is work. And if I, I, I'm going to work, I'd rather they pay me than me pay them. Yes. Um, but it seems now, like with all the pet battles and all the other things that are going on in the game, that they've really kind of made more space for a casual player who just wants to jump in and have a role-playing game to play every now and again. Um, 
and I'm not spending any money on any other video games at the moment. I have no intentions of buying any of the new systems. And the only other games I'm interested in are indie games that tend to cost like 10 bucks. So I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. So I rolled a priest, a human, which I don't think I have ever done before. Uh, and so I'm playing through the the human storyline, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit iffy about it still. Yeah, I would be. But I am happy to hear that you didn't go panda. <laughs> no, no. Uh, actually, I don't have that expansion. And uh, I ain't paying for the expansion and the game time. Right. Until I'm sure that I wouldn't want that. And so, uh, no, just uh, that and the the whole, like, Kung Fu Panda thing is too much for me. Unless it was actually voiced by Jack Black, then it's no. uh uh-uh. Yeah, they, um, they they did con me into getting back into it when they did the previous expansion. They're like, you're going to have werewolves. I'm like, oh, I hate you so much. And they're going to have, like, Steampunk and Victoria. I'm like, I hate you all. You're going <laughs> to, every time I try to get out. But then they came right. out with Kung Fu Pandas, and I said, yes, this is my excuse to never go back to WoW. So we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in the pet battle system. I think that might be fun. Um, but you never know. Might not be. We'll just kind of see how things go. Um, but I did play some board games. I actually played two games uh, uh, recently that uh, I've kind of been interested in. Uh, not like on the top of my list, but I wanted to play. Uh, so that was fun. But uh, the biggest thing is where I played them. We have a new game store in town. Uh, oh, after so you were mourning I, the loss I, of your last one, it's I nice know. to see that you're and getting it, a new uh, one. It happened very quickly, maybe a month or two. Um, and I'll tell you what, in some ways, I don't, I, I don't want to disrespect my last game store, you know, but the queen is dead, long live the queen. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you having a better uh, experience at this store? Well, no, the thing is, is that this is the second location for a game store. They have another game store, um, about an hour and a half away. And so they are immediately able to have better inventory um, because they've they've got the two spaces, they can buy more stuff. Um, you know, you, I walked in and immediately saw games that I was interested in, whereas before, those games were not always there because the owners couldn't afford to bring in all of the new games unless they knew they were going to sell. Mm. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, it still has the same problems that, that we've talked about in the past with local game stores. It is quite a bit more expensive than buying them online. But again, it's a choice that you make about uh, whether or not you, uh, you're you going to support that local game store. Um, so I did get to go. Uh, first game we played uh, for our game group was the, let me make sure, I think I have this right, Red Dragon Inn. Yes. Again, a, a game again about that is another one of the names drinking. that is... Yeah, right. Uh, It's another one of those games where its name could be just about any combination of color and mythical The color animal is. Right. Uh, But the basic idea of the game is uh, you sit down and you are the adventurers uh, after and or before the quest. And uh, your goal is to get your buddies drunker than you. Uh, you have two stats, essentially. Uh, your 
fortitude, uh, I think it was called, uh, basically your ability to hold the alcohol and uh, your alcohol, your your uh, <laughs> your blood alcohol content, I guess. Uh, and it, they're both on the same track as uh, 1 to 20 track. The alcohol starts at 0, and this is 0 to 20 track. And your fortitude starts at 20. And if at any point they cross each other, you lose. And uh, the game is... It's essentially a card battle kind of a game. You uh, you say, hey, I'm going to get you this beer, and you're going to get a drunker. And then they say, no, I've got a card where I spill my beer. And then you've got another card where you uh, you can pay the inn to give him some more beer, whatever. And, you know, you're back and forth. You're countering. You're reacting. Um and uh, trying to get them drunk, or you can also get them to go broke, in which case they are tossed out of their ear and also lose. Uh, And you're playing as various fantasy archetypes, and your cards are uh, reflective of that. Uh, I was playing as a tinkerer, because that's what I do. I think the last time I played uh, it, I was playing as like a mad wizard. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah, and so, you know, my tinker, every time, I not every time, but often when I play a card, it came with, like, a little machine that could do random things, like it could blow up in my face at various times, or it could be better, who knows. Um, so every time I played a card, there was a little bit of uncertainty there. Uh, it took me a couple of rounds into the game to really grok what was going on, but uh, a fun game, not as not as fun fantastical as I had hoped. No. It, it sounds like maybe you had a better experience it, with the Mad Wizard. It was, I mean, it was fun. I think mostly it was just the environment that we were playing in. It was a bunch of people who'd never played it before, myself included. This this marked the, the one and only time I've played this game. Uh, but it was just, it was just a bunch of lunacy as we were talking about this. And oddly enough, we were doing it at a church game day. Which added that extra bit of fun as we're yelling out at we're yelling out at the table that we're feeding each other drinks and and just getting absolutely loaded. Uh, but for those of you who are listening who who don't really find that theme all that appealing, I promise you it's really not that big a deal. You're it's pretty much just playing cards. It's the cards. Yeah, it it, it could be like your food and you're getting too full and you're yeah. Getting- the I mean, the, the theme the is not the theme is is very surface level. It's not, and you, you know, know that's actually what bothered me. Um, I really wanted the theme to be more fun. Yeah, you know, with all these like fantasy creatures, fantasy characters, and they're drinking, and they're, you know, I wanted to, be, I wanted the cards to have more flavor than they did. I mean, it was a good game in terms of the, I mean, basically it was just play or counter, play or counter until you. Until you run out of counters, and then whoever ran out of counters wins, you know. Well, and, um, and theme theme can be a big deal, because right now, as we're talking, I'm trying to remember any of the cards I got to play and what they did. The only thing I can remember is the fact that I was playing a crazy wizard who had a pet rabbit who was downright psychotic. So, that's, yeah, it, that's what I remember, is I had a psychotic rabbit. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of opportunity for, like, you know, you pull out Grandpa's mug, you know, or or something like that, right? And fantasy stuff, you know, you, you, you've you got a uh, carved out troll's head as a mug or something like that. <laughs> uh, 
you know that that that's that could have been fun, but uh, it just didn't have the flavor uh, that I wanted it to. Um, but it was an okay game. Um, the next game we got to play, and actually I got to play with the uh, the the owner of the new game store, so that was kind of cool. Got to meet him, uh, and then several other regular members of our group uh, as a game called Eldritch Horror. Ah, Arkham Horror 2.0. It is. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a game set in the uh, Lovecraftian Cthulhu world. Um, I, I think, uh, basically, uh, the company has three games. No, there might be more than three, but three big games that are set in this world. Uh, Elder Sign, which we've talked about pretty extensively, I think, on this show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Arkham Horror, which is a game set in Arkham, essentially New York, uh, of the Lovecraftian world. And now Eldritch Horror, which is a worldwide uh, adventure. In fact, I think the probably the best way to describe this game is if you took Elder Sign, a game a lot of people are familiar with, and Pandemic, a game that a lot of people are familiar with, and they had a baby, and then you injected that baby with some sort of mutagen that made it gigantic <laughs> and horrible. <laughs> that would be this game. <laughs> so wait, okay. what you're saying uh, is, what you're saying is that Pandemic and Elder Sign got together and birthed the Dunwich Horror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, so the game uh, starts off. You play uh, various investigators. Uh, I played the jazz musician. Uh, Jim Colton, I think, was his name. Uh, he uh, he literally could soothe people's sanity by playing music for them. Uh, uh, you have two uh, life pools, your sanity and your health. Uh, so again, very similar to Elder Sign there. Uh, but more complex, you have five stats. Uh, it's your lore, your influence, your strength. Two other things I can't remember, but are just little <laughs> images, and they don't really matter what the, what's what. Um, and each turn, you're moving your piece around the world to various cities or temples, or actually you can play ocean spots and things like that, uh, trying to stop a great old one from showing up on the planet. Because when you play a Lovecraftian game, that's what you do. There's always a, a One of these days, they one. need to make a game where you bring the great old one, but hey, whatever. So, uh, so Luke, you you really do need an intervention. Playing games about drinking and and cults bringing ancient old ones into the world. Luke, are you backsliding? Uh, Are we going to have to have a come to Jesus meeting? uh, I'll tell you what. You get Larry Correa here, and uh, then you can do the uh, the uh, intervention. And if you you guys don't know who Larry Correa is, look it up. You'll get the joke. It was funny. Anyway. So uh, you're traveling around the world, and each turn you you can take a, uh, an encounter. So you can choose to battle a monster. You can choose to um, try to get a clue. You can choose to buy something. Uh, you can choose to explore a city or a temple or the ocean or whatever. Uh, and each round you go around to do those things. And then at the end of the round, something horrendous happens. And you have to defeat the horrendous thing that causes nine other horrendous things to happen. And there's a chain event of horrendous. And all the while, the Doomtowner is counting down to doom. And uh, there you go. 
So, uh, one thing is, we played with seven people. Okay, the game plays up to eight. Uh, I forget what the minimum is. I assume it would probably be two, but it would be weird as two. Um, we played for three hours and did not get even close to finishing this game. Okay, the game is epic. And we were playing intentionally quickly. Right, we were doing things like having multiple people run their turns at the same time. Uh, you know, because we're all kind of, we know gaming, every, pretty much everybody there. So we were all doing, trying to cut down on the time. Um, the thing, you have to complete three of these, I don't remember what they're called, essentially missions, to before the Doom Counter counts down or all your people will die or whatever. Um, we got one done. We started the second one, but didn't even get one step of the way on the second one. And we played three hours into the game. Um, so it, it, again, it's like, you know, that's that giant mutated version of uh, uh, a cooperative game. Uh, that said, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that, um, see, it, seem, it seems to me like that game would be better served having fewer people. I think so. I think four, maybe, would be about perfect. Yeah, because you have... If you spread everything so thin, all your resources get spread thin, and it's no longer have one person go to this thing to do it. It's you need three people to bring all their stuff to... It just seems like it would be way more complicated with more people. Right. Um, so, I, let me I, I kind of go into a little bit of nitty-gritty detail here, kind of to explain why things take as long as they do. Um, so these missions, you have to do different things for each one, but basically the way it works is you have to do it the number of times, the way you figure it out is you take the number of players and divide that by two. So in our case, uh, and I guess round down. So in our case, we had to do each thing for the mission three times. So for the first one, it, it really wasn't that bad. The first one was we were to take two clues to a certain spot on the planet and drop off those two clues. And that would be one, uh, one you get a little Eldritch sign, uh, one of the three. So that wasn't too bad. We just had to get enough people with clues, get them all to the same spot, and, uh, and get that done. The second one, however, was we had to close gates. These gates open up uh, periodically, and the gates are color-coded to one of four colors on this on a doom wheel thing that happens. Um, and so the second mission was we had to close these gates, but we could only close the gate that was on the appropriate color for that turn. So that got to the point where basically we all had to move to gates and just sit on those gates and wait for the turn to come. But the thing is, is if you don't close those gates, monsters are going to pour through the gates. That's what gates are for. It's for monster pouring. And so we had to intentionally leave the gates open or close the gates to stop the monsters, in which case then you couldn't close the gate when it was your turn to close the gate to get the Eldritch token to stop the mission, to stop the Great One from coming. So there's it was, a lot of stuff involved is what you're saying. 
Uh, it is. It's it's a very complex game. Um, uh, for a cooperative game, it's a really complex game. Um, that said, it's not hard necessarily. It's just okay. So we've talked about Pandemic a lot on this show, it, and I think it's fair to say it is the archetypal cooperative game. Yeah. Right. It was okay. one of the first what? ones, if it wasn't the first one. Yeah, and it really, I mean, it set the bar, so to speak. It set the, they're like that. Uh, the thing about Pandemic is, you have a very low win ratio. Maybe a quarter of the time, give or take. Oh, I, I can but count pandemic, the number of times on pandem- that I've won on Pandemic on one hand. But a game of Pandemic takes, eh, an hour, Right, so if you play for an hour, and you win or you don't win, that's cool. It was a good experience. It was a fun game. Okay, we played for three hours. We were a third of the way done. <laughs> okay, I think legitimately it would have taken five hours to play this game. Yeah. And if you play for five hours and you know at hour three you're gonna die, you're not gonna win because you know, like we knew we were in trouble. Okay. <laughs> It's just no, we, one of our guys had already gone bonko and started trying to eat one of us. I mean, it was it was a bad situation, and you know we knew we were going to lose. And we we're three hours into a five-hour game, and you know you're going to lose. There's something that really blows about that. And so, unless you're really into either Lovecraft, which the owner of the game is like the biggest Lovecraft fan I've ever met. Um, or you just you want to play a cooperative game that is like hardcore, and you want to get schooled. There you go. That the, said, I love cooperative games. They're my favorite kind of game, so I enjoyed this game, even though there was no chance in the world of us stopping this old one. It's still a fun experience. Well, that that's pretty, one review that I I heard was pretty much the notion that. It's it's an okay it's a great game if you're really into Lovecraftian craziness. It's a crazy awful never get it ever if you don't like that because if you strip away the theme this game becomes bonkers because portals are opening and stuff's happening and you need this random thing and it, if you take away the theme it doesn't really flow. It's just a weird exercise in chaos. But yeah, and- if you like it then it's awesome. <laughs> So, okay, uh, <laughs> basically the way it works, when you're trying to beat something, okay, the only mechanic in the game is, is a test, all right? You're testing against one of your five stats, and your stats are anywhere between one and, I think, five or six or something like that, and you might have equipment that boosts your stats, you might have a, an ally that boosts your stats, you might have a problem that reduces your stats, whatever, uh, so say you're you're doing a test against your influence. Your influence is three. You roll three d6. If you get a five or a six, you pass. Okay. So anytime you take a test, you're rolling for a five or a six. The number of dice is determined by your st- skills. That's the only game mechanic. So, you know, once we were getting kind of toward the end of the game, or not even the end of the game, but the end of our like, we're about to turn into pumpkins and we don't want to play this game anymore kind of experience. 
um, we were just like, okay, I've got uh, three dice on Will. Here we go. You know, we weren't even doing anything. But at the beginning of the game, when we were still excited and happy and young and had lots of energy, um, <laughs> we were actually reading all of the cards, and they're really awesome. Like, one of my cards was, you're invited by local doctors to observe a trepanation, test against your observation skills, and if you pass, you see the wicked bug that's lodged inside this guy's brain, and you help him remove it. That's freaking awesome, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that's there. there's also, like, a lot of really deep Lovecraftian lore that, like, totally went over my head. But the other people in the group who love Lovecraft were, like, laughing and giddy about it. So, you know, take it, take it as it is that uh, if you really like hard cooperative games or you really like Lovecraft, you'll like this game. Otherwise, play Elder Sign, because it's a lot more fun. <laughs> well, there you um, go. So that's what I uh, that's what I've got. Uh, playing playing. Uh, I also picked up uh, Love Letter. Oh, Love Letter! My such first a great time game. at my first time at the new game store. I should buy something, and uh, Love Letter's cheap. Um, but it was very late at night. Did I mention that we were there for a long time playing a game? You did mention that, that, yes. Yeah, I did. Okay, good. Um, and so I reached up and I grabbed Love Letter. And I pulled it off and I bought it and I brought it home and I looked at it and I realized. It's a themed version of Love Letter. Oh, did you get the L5R one? <laughs> I did. And everybody nice. was like, oh, are you into L5R? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is, man. That's Legend don't of the Five Rings. I, yeah, so like, I'm like looking at these and they're like various shit, like samurai and stuff. Like, oh. eh. I, I, I would, just won't tell anybody. I would, eh, love, be, I would love to get a game of L5R. I've never played it. But it just seems like such my game because the combat is brutal to the point where there's a good chance you come out of it dead. So you you almost don't so want to get. So tell me about it. what it, what is this thing? It is. I mean, it's basically a role playing game that it. I believe its origins were as a setting, like a campaign setting for D and D, which didn't work well at all. But okay. uh, basically, it kind of branched off and became its own thing. And became its own world, and the whole concept is that there are all these different clans, and each clan is responsible for different things. Um, the cranes are diplomats; they're very noble. The crabs are the ones who guard the wall, protecting decent society from the horrible awful that lives on the other side of this wall. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, but it's 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 hardcore samurai like bushido like it's actually into the bushido code um it is more you are probably going to be more successful destroying another person by destroying their reputation as opposed to actually going up and stabbing them in the face Hmm. um there is there is so much uh it, it it has to deal so much with honor and what needs to happen and you get you get things like uh, one of the I was I was just actually listening to another podcast as they were talking about this. Um, the concept is that if you wear armor, 
Now there is a bit of a uh, stretch for the, the the guys who are the crabs because they're they're pretty much always considered to be at war. But if you're one of the other clans and you're wearing armor, that's dishonorable. It is dishonorable to wear armor unless you're actively fighting. And so you have to deal with stuff like that. Like honor is a statistic, and depending on on how it's rising and falling, depending on the the actions that you're doing. So it's it's a role playing game set in a Bushido code kind of environment. And as a guy who actively reads that stuff, because I think it's fascinating, I I want to play L five R. I just it's it's on a long list of games that I want to play that I need to find other people who also want to play it. I have a vague recollection of playing a set in samurai world role-playing game. But I don't remember anything beyond, like, I had a cool sword. Um, so I then wonder it... if that was it, or maybe maybe there, there are probably other, you know, samurai-type settings in... Uh, out there that I'm just not aware. I'm sure. Of. I'm uh, sure everybody has one. I mean, heck, right. you can go to the Shadow Run and be Street Samurai. But right. uh, no, I, I, I think it's amazing. But I also understand why some people don't like it because there aren't any like fantasy races. You don't have elves or dwarves right. or anything. Like that. It's people, and you don't have umpteen different classes. You're basically. You, you're either really good with a sword, you can do a little bit of, of magic uh, that's in their world magic, and and that's pretty much it. There is a little bit of a roguish clash, roguish class, I believe, that, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much, there's like two, maybe three classes, so there's not a huge amount of variety on the surface, but it's all in the way you play it and the way you, your particular person navigates through that kind of culture. It's it's really cool. I, I nerd out on it hardcore. <laughs> awesome. Well, speaking of nerding out, you wrote an article recently for Inroads that I thought it'd be fun to talk about. Uh, I read it. Uh, I thought it was a good article. Uh, I thought it was a, a pretty powerful thing that you had to say. I, I did not pay him to say that, folks. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, and maybe we uh, talk to, talk about the uh, maybe not necessarily the uh, the article because people can go and read the article, but the theme at least. Uh, yeah, the I pretty much patterned a an article based around the story of Elijah as he's running for his life from from Jezebel as she's basically trying to kill him, and. And kind of patterned it after my own experience with with gaming and and really just my geek stuff overall because the same thing can be applied for things like the comic books that I love and the fantasy books that I love, the silly fandoms that are just all up and through my existence. I, I wrote it oddly enough. I I, I was going to try really hard to not mention this game in this podcast because I've mentioned it every episode for the past like seven episodes uh it it came to me over a game of netrunner i was playing with a friend of mine who he and i now have a weekly game and i was playing it and i started bringing up stuff i started to really nerd out which as you guys can all attest to i do that with netrunner i i can tell you about all the factions and all their the stuff that they do and how one card works with another and 
normally this is off-putting for some people because they they it adds to the pile of stuff that is a barrier for entry to get into this game. It's all sorts of stuff that you need to learn, and here I am adding to the pile. Um, and so I always I, I kind of have this this trepidation of talking about it because throughout most of my early life, when I would do this, when I would talk about this stuff. Uh, when I talk about how excited I was that my family and I were going to a Ren fair over the summer, like I, I get weird looks from people, and it, it made me feel so isolated and so alone, and so like I was the only one who cared about this stuff. And and for a, a good long while, there was a stretch that I I kind of pushed that guy down. I I did not bring it out. I I, I kind of wouldn't let my geek play, and. It took a long time before I realized that it's kind of a pivotal part of who I am. Like, I've talked about that in past episodes, too. My my geekness is a, a huge part of me. I can't be me and not have that be visible. And so it, it's really an article. It's probably the most personal article that I've written so far for Inroads, just because it it reminded me of, of where I, I have been and kind of where I am now and kind of what Inroads is about because playing this game of Netrunner, I came out with, oh, I looked this up at the forums and we were doing this wrong and this is how this actually works and you can do this. And the whole time I was talking to him about this, I, I reread the email afterwards and I started saying things like, like, look, I have a problem, but here's the deal. Or, yes, yes, I know I'm addicted, whatever, moving on. Or, you know, I'd, I'd have all these little catchphrases, and I think I, I had a lot of fun when I, I, the way I wrote this in the article. It was basically like the signs you see at the zoo that say, don't touch the animals, don't hop the fence. You'll be okay if you just sit back here and watch them go. And and I was kind of putting those signs up, being like, listen, don't don't take this too seriously. Listen, I'm I'm a loser, I get it, but... And his response was was almost as if God himself kind of pulled back the clouds and said, no, doofus, I have lots of you out here. Because he came at me with a printed out errata that he had found saying, this card actually means this, and these guys are this, and you need to get Malatempora because that is an awesome one. And I'm like, okay. There's a realization that you know, just like when when Elijah was like, "I'm the only one. I I might as well just die here because there's no one left. It's just me, and I've lost." And God says, "I've got seven thousand of you in this city," and it just it just it was that kind of moment for me. Nice. Uh, you know, I think we've been trying to say this on the show forever. Like, right? It's been one of the points of the show for the, since the very beginning. Yes. But I think it's it's significant to say it's not like something that we do perfectly, right? We still, you and I, have hesitation and and some of that awkward feeling. And I and you put a line in in your your post. You basically talked about how that cave that you were talking about metaphorically it, it's still there, right? It's smaller, or maybe you said it was it was emptier or something. It like was that. emptier, but, and and I'm a lot better at getting out of it. Right, but it's still there, and you know one thing that um and actually, I think either just before or just after uh, reading the article, 
uh, I ran into another uh, a friend, um, and she and I were talking, and uh, so I, I have been playing uh, banjo for a couple of months now. Uh, I've been learning how to play, and uh, I made an offhand remark that I traded in my banjo, and she she basically kind of freaked a little bit, and I had to real quickly say, no, 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 I traded up my banjo. I went from the, like, super cheesy, you don't know whether you want to do this or not, to the, this is a good solid banjo that'll last you for the first five years of your playing. You, you traded in my first banjo to an actual banjo. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and But the reason she kind of freaked about it is because her husband, another friend of mine, plays the mandolin. Oh, there's a cool instrument. He heard that I played the banjo, and he's like, oh my goodness, I finally have somebody to play with. You basically right? got the the makings of a bluegrass band on your hands. We do, right. And if I had just stayed quiet about it, I've known the guy for years. But I didn't know he played the mandolin. I knew he played the guitar, but I didn't know he played the mandolin. And if I had stayed quiet about the fact that I'm playing banjo, that's one person out there who never would have had somebody to connect with over that interest, over that geekness. Uh, and so we we really want to try to say on this show, be brave. Every once in a while, yeah, you don't have to like jump up and down at work or anything like that. But every once in a while, you know, you could let it slip. Hey, I was a board game night last night, you know, or whatever it may be. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're listening to the show and you're into role playing games, you're into tabletop war games, you're into Magic the Gathering, you're into, uh, boy, who knows? The list could be gigantic for the people who listen to this show. Uh, but there could totally be somebody right next to you who you've known for years and who is into the same things or who wants to be into the same things and will never say anything because they're nervous. And if you don't say something, you're never going to know that you have this thing in common. And, you know, somebody's got to take the step. And we want to encourage you to take that step. And and I know for myself, I can speak to a couple different times when that's the case. Like, uh, the first game of D&D that I led for a bunch of youth group kids, which one could argue is the foundation of, of what kind of got us here. Um, that game happened because I was hanging out with the kids, you know, doing what youth leaders do, and I mentioned the fact that I've played D&D since I was 16. And, like, seven of them jumped up and said, I've always wanted to learn how to play that. I wasn't intending to get that game going. I simply mentioned the fact that I played. I played. I can point to so many different instances in my life when just kind of like like your mandolin, your mandolin player. Stuff has been going on behind the scenes that people haven't been actively hiding. They just didn't mention. And just the, the, that little spark that says, "By the way, I do that too." Like I, I think that's. I think that's ingrown within us is this idea of even even the most stalwart, staunch, I'm going to do it on my own person, somewhere in there at some point, it, it, whether it's it, you know in a, a dark spot at home or you know maybe just in that, that part of themselves that they don't talk about, there's that little part that says, man, I just want one person who cares about this like I do. I, uh, I'm going to say that there is an obvious transition here, right, between what we're talking about in terms of our geeky passions and our love for Jesus. 
But guess Absolutely. what? I'm not going to make that transition. Okay? Because I want you to understand that I believe that this geeky stuff that we're passionate about is important. And that it is God-given. And God wants you to love these things. And be passionate about them. And share your life with your friends and the people around you. And I believe that if you are the kind of person who is willing to share your life with the people around you, you will also be sharing Jesus with them. Yeah. Right? We don't need to go to the place where we're like, okay, well, the guy next to you might be looking for Jesus, and you don't know unless you mention to him that you love Jesus, and then he'll say, I want to love Jesus too, and then you can lead him to Jesus. That could happen. I've seen stranger things happen. It could totally happen. But I don't think that that's the application point from the sermon today. (laughs) Uh, You know, I really do think that uh, there is a way that we can live our life, right? Let, let me kind of put it this way. You can live your life externally, in which case you are living your life for the purpose of the people outside of your life, outside of you. Okay? I'm going to tell you what, that if you live your life that way, eventually you're going to burn out. Okay? You can live your life internally, which is just like loving the stuff that you love and doing everything you want to do, and eventually you're going to get lonely. You're going to implode. But you can live your life openly. And if you live your life openly, you give space for people to join if they're interested. You don't hide who you are, but you don't shove it into somebody's face either. You're you're there and you're available for the people around you. And maybe one of them is going to say, dude, that card game you're playing looks really cool. Can I play that with you? And another one's going to say, man, your marriage, it works in a way mine doesn't. Can we talk about that? And another one might say, hey, you know, I've been wanting to take the kids to a church, but I didn't know what church to go to. And it seems like you go to a church. Can I go with you one weekend? Uh, You don't know. But if you live openly, you give opportunity for people to do that. And guess what? You might find a friend who likes the crazy stuff that you like. (laughs) And that's good, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I that that nails so much of it. The most effective evangelism in my experience is not the three three points of poem and a prayer. It's it's the stuff that that happens when people just to to use your words that they are open, that they they don't use Jesus as a speech. There's no there's no curriculum. It is, however, there is intention. It is intentionally loving the people around them and being with them and sharing with them what is important to you. And like Luke said, if if you really have put your faith in Christ, if you know that he is the your Lord and Savior, if you know the fact that he saved you, if you are, are filled with the Spirit of God, you don't have to put him into conversations. He comes up because our thoughts are about what he wants and about how he fits into our lives. Our our actions are about doing stuff in service to him. You don't have to force that. 
you just have to be open to sharing that. And a lot of times that happens, you know, we get a lot of people talking to us about how Inroads does ministry. And really, my, my running statement is we play the long game. And by playing the long game, I mean we don't have events where a gospel presentation is made. Not because we fear sharing the gospel, but because we want the connection to be made with the people. We want there to be lasting impact that uh, doesn't involve, you know, a, a high-pressure moment of, of that. I've been playing this game with you for five hours. I like you, but if I don't say that I love Jesus, are you going to stop talking to me? Like, we don't we do not do that. It's, it's not the way we do things. It's not the way how gamers do things. We, we make impact by just being. And that's why I love what we do. And that's, that's why I look forward to, to doing more of that and to, to encouraging you guys to do likewise. You know, Luke and I are both uh, former church leaders in formal settings. I think we still pretty much do stuff. We're just not doing it formally right now, other than what we're doing for inroads. And a lot of people say, I can't do church. I can't do that because I don't have the training. It really, that's... It's useful, it's important, but it's not necessary to share the love of God. Or maybe you're saying, you know, I'm not really a gamer. You know what? We don't care about that label of gamer. Do you like playing? Do you want to find ways to reach people through playing? Then you're part of the team. Well, Mike, how can folks find out how they can be part of that team? Uh, the big thing is to go to our site, uh, inroads, inroadsministries.com, and look up our contact page. Uh, it has all the different emails and Twitters and Facebooks for all of us, uh, both the podcast and the site. We've got links to find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We've got links to our, our kind of partner podcast over at Saving the Game, and uh, that will give you every way to get in touch with us uh, we encourage you to, to email us. I, I mentioned the article that uh, got posted by T. Morris. He emailed us. That's how it worked. He emailed us and we liked it and we posted it. You guys can do that too. So we want to hear from you guys there. Um, definitely uh, check out our, our Facebook group, The Tavern. Uh, lots of cool stuff is happening over there. We have just about 100 people who are chilling out and talking about games and sharing stuff. Uh, we have people talking about just the different games they're playing and the different stuff that they're finding out. Uh, we can also have a moment to talk about our, our play-by-post, which yep. is just fantastic. We've gotten to a point, by the time this airs, uh, we'll be closing it off for new people to get into the game. However, we do have a blog... I'll be sure to link it here. We also have a link on the Inroads page, and we also have a link in the Tavern. But uh, Jeff is going to do a kind of a recap blog. Uh, you know, when we do something cool, he's going to blog about it. So you can be following the game that way. We're probably going to do this again. We're having a ton of fun so far, and we're probably going to do this again, so be watching for that. Awesome. I know you guys, uh, you've put some together some uh, some pretty cool stuff, and, and maybe folks that you, you weren't sure about the whole play-by-post thing, well, now you can kind of get a, a view of it. 
you can see uh, what was happening. See uh, if you want to be involved next time. And, and folks, uh, above all, just thank you guys so much for listening, for for being involved over on Facebook, for being involved within Roads. Uh, we are so thankful. And remember that God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.